Hi, I'm Amanda Weiss. And I'm Gabe Snyder. And you're listening to Drinking and Drashing. Torah with a Twist. And we're here to tell you that this is a very special episode. Hey everybody and Happy New Year. It is 5782 officially, which is a little insane because there's been a lot that's happened since we last met with you. I know for me, I got to enjoy Rosh Hashanah with Temple Shari Tefillah in Bedford and Westchester at Caramore. So I had my first ever Rosh Hashanah experience in a concert venue, which was kind of amazing and very cool to be with my community. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Amanda. What did you do over Rosh Hashanah? I've been celebrating the holidays with Congregation B'nai Jeshrin in Short Hills, New Jersey, Super psyched to be a part of that congregation and to be able to do something a little different. Wonderful. I'm so glad that everybody has a home to be at. I hope that it's been as sweet as some apples and honey. You'll notice today that our episode is going to be a little different, a little shorter than most, mostly because there's a lot going on. We have a lot to prepare for, especially with Yom Kippur looming near, but we didn't want to leave you hanging. And so we're really excited to join you today for this particular episode featuring Parashat Ha'azinu. to the penultimate parasha of the Pentateuch. That's the Torah, which is very exciting and also a little bit sad because, well, you'll see. As you may remember from last week, we left you with a cliffhanger. Moses was about to read a poem to the Israelite community. Exciting. That's where we pick up today with Moses' poem. And so, Moses begs that all will hear his words before he disappears, singing praises, faith, and love to one God who is above anyone who dares to try to be perverse, to steal, or lie. He bids the people to remember the history of former members when God gave home and boundaries and food, manna, and sundries. But God would not yet be forgot the Israelites were made God's lot, God alone by Jacob's side atop the lands to lead with pride. But pride it comes before the fall, and Israel Israelites almost all ran off to follow other things, foreign gods and false crowned kings. And so God hid and caused an egg, famine, beasts, and ill-timed plague. And if people cried out, halt, Moses would say, this is your fault. The wine's been poisoned and put away, but Moses says, pray every day for those people who follow loyally will be guarded by God's sovereignty. See then that only God is God, ignoring all others, for they seem odd. And only God can detain strife, can deal in death, can grant you life. Acclaim his name and sins are cleansed. God's people will soon be avenged. Or something like that. Moses warns the people to listen hard to the meaning behind the poem, which is to actually observe the terms of the teaching, which is the Torah, which is still meta. God seems to be a fan of Moses' last poetry slam and tells Moses to climb to the top of Mount Nebo facing Jericho so he can look at the land of Canaan even though he can't physically enter the land. This is the place where Moses is going to die, which God reminds him is because of his own poor actions. Bedside manner is not God's specialty, but... 
Well, that's okay, because the Israelites, you know, the ones that Moses is angry with, Zenu. Amazing. Incredible game. Very funny. I loved the poem. It really spiced things up. I think it's the first time we've had a poem in the rundown like that. You know, I think it is. Shout out to Amanda Catherine Weiss for composing a beautiful Hazinu poem. Basically, Moses. <laughs> like a little bit. What does that make me? Sancho Panza. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I deserve that. That's fair. That's good. Nakshon. Gabe is not our Nakshon. <laughs> <laughs> None of this is being used. So during these 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and I know that this episode will go out a little bit towards the end of those 10 days, whoops, sorry, there's a lot that people do. For example, saying sorry, atoning for things that they may have done or said over the past year that they regret, whether they did it intentionally or whether they did it by accident. There's a lot of dealing in and with and around relationship over these 10 days between the new year and Yom Kippur. We talk about how there are different kinds of transgressions. There are those you make against other people. There are those you make against God. And those relationships are different. There are also, though, those transgressions that we make against ourselves. Uh, and so we need to also be introspective and we need to say, you know, where have I gone wrong? What have I done? And I think that as much as this Torah portion is about relationships, Moses is also examining his life and his choices. You know, maybe if Moses made some better choices, he too would be entering the promised land. And speaking of choices... One of the things that we talked about a few episodes ago with Rabbi Lisa Coppell for Parshat Mitzavim is the power that we have in the choices that we make and the conversations that we're having. One of the reasons that many synagogues choose to read Mitzavim on Yom Kippur morning has to do with that power of choice, of bringing witnesses to see what it is that you've been saying or doing. And in Mitzavim, they talk about bringing heaven and earth to be witness against you or for you as you're experiencing these things, which shouldn't be so far from you, right? Everything you say and do, it comes from you. It's your power of choice. And the Torah, too, is within us. Not only is the choice close to us, but the right thing to do is within us. Right action is possible. For sure. I think that COVID's made that a little bit harder sometimes in the point that you can't just run into someone and make amends quickly. There are some grudges that may have been held for longer because people haven't been around each other in order to mend fences. And I think that's really hard. One of the things that I have found myself struggling with over the last <clears throat> decade or so are the blanket apologies that I see on Facebook. I struggle when people kind of just put a, hey, everybody, sorry for what I did wrong out on the internet, because I think that isn't what the goal of atoning was really meant to do. I think this idea of teshuva or of repentance is this idea of returning, of really coming back to face the relationships that you had, some of the mistakes you may have made, and really being intentional and meaningful with the words that you're using with one another. You know, for a while, the rabbis of the Middle Ages and on tried to get rid of the liturgy around Kol Nidre, 
the prayer kol nidre is an annulment of vows. That's really what it is. It says all of these promises we made that we didn't fulfill or all of the promises we will make that we won't fulfill, they don't count. Just ignore them. Blanket statement. Don't worry about it. So Idan could promise that this episode will get out before Kol Nidre and then on Kol Nidre being like, haha, just kidding. Like, kind of. And so for a really good reason, a lot of clergy people said this isn't really how we want to be expressing Judaism. We don't want to be teaching our congregants that they can just say, mm, jokes, never mind. I lied. It's fine. Don't worry about it. That's not what Yom Kippur should be about. It shouldn't be just a reset button. You have to actually make change. Thinking about, you know, should we or should we not keep something like Kol Nidre in? Is this something that is in alignment with our beliefs? I think that Kol Nidre is there for us in case of promises that we made or will make in the past year, in the coming year, that are out of our hands, that we might not have been able to keep in the first place. And we should use Kol Nidre as a reminder to be more aware of what we can and cannot promise to people. Yeah, my mom used to say that all the time. It was something that was really, really important to both her and my father that my brother and I never make promises that you can't keep. This was a thing that was really, really important to them. And with the understanding that sometimes people use the word bli neder, which means like without vow, similar to kol nidre, all of the vowels, all of my vows. You know, there's something to be said about being thoughtful and intentional about what it is that we're saying, something that I think we try to do on this podcast, even if we're cracking up in the middle of saying something. But I think also just being thoughtful about our actions, our words, everything in general. I mean, look, generally we speak about Torah in this podcast, but I think here also like the Haftarah that we read for Yom Kippur matters. The Haftarah that we end up reading for Yom Kippur is really interesting because It's Isaiah, and it talks about whether or not this is the type of fast that God's even looking for, or if God's looking for a fast at all. And some people may think that that God might not be looking for a fast. And for those of you who don't fast, kol hakavod, do what you want, right? Like, do what works best for you and your system. The fast that God's looking for is almost a fast from inequality and from oppression and from people being yoked down by horrific poverty It's really this idea that we can live in and with abundance if only we're really thoughtful about building up our communities together. You know, the prophets in general, and specifically Isaiah, like really just the epitome of this, the prophets take really seriously this idea of justice and social justice, that the actions between people and what we do on this earth not in terms of keeping commandments for the commandment's sake, but in terms of how we are in relation with each other, that that's what really matters. When we read Isaiah and when we see, is this the fast I desire? We kind of have to question ourselves, well, why would we read this and be fasting? Why are we doing both of these things? Are we just fasting for the sake of doing the fast? And if so, why are we reading this Haftarah? Or are we fasting for a greater reason? Are we giving ourselves a tangible reminder of what we're supposed to do, of that call that Isaiah makes towards social justice? 
what does that do for us? You know, the commandment regarding Yom Kippur is to afflict ourselves. And so when I think of affliction, I think of hurt, I think of hardship. But I think what's also really interesting is that that same word that's used for affliction, which in that commandment is anitechem, that same word we hear on Passover, we hear halachma anya. We hear this is the bread of affliction. And so the bread of affliction is also the bread of redemption. We know that when we take on this affliction, when we take on this fast for ourselves, there's also a bit of redemption within that. I think that it can be difficult when we talk in terms of redemption of this idea that something may come and save us, especially at Yom Kippur, when we take on a lot of personal and communal responsibility to save ourselves as an individual, right? Like what did Amanda, what did Gabe, what did Idan do this year that we hope that we had done better or we hope that we won't repeat in the future? But also what have we done as Jews? What have we done as this Jewish podcast that perhaps we could do better or maybe we won't repeat in the future? And there's something to be said about using this time even if you just get to hear this moments before Kol Nidre begins, or even if you hear it way after Yom Kippur ends, to use this time for some reflection about where am I? Where do I want to be? What do I need to do to get there? What reflections do I have on what I've done so far? And as Gabe mentioned before, where's the change? You know, what is that one small thing that I can do to move us forward? Gabe, I know that you referred to the fact that Yom Kippur can relate to Passover, but did you know that there's another holiday that the rabbis compare Yom Kippur to? No way. Yes way. In fact, they compare it Yom Kippur. Ki as in like, poor, like Purim. That is absurd. I love it. Yeah, well, why would this day that's supposed to be so solemn be compared to something that was supposed to be so happy, full of frivolity? And the answer is, once upon a time, Yom Kippur was actually the happiest, most celebrated, most joyous holiday in the calendar. Yeah, I call shenanigans. Well, you could call shenanigans, but the idea was everyone dressed up in white. They went, they frolicked in the fields. They really, like, they had a good time. You know, I think our Yom Kippur services could use a little more frolicking. Skipping backwards like rams? Hmm, there's an idea. <laughs> For those that didn't get that very, very niche joke, there is a piece of the liturgy that talks about skipping backwards like rams. The Jordan would flow backwards. Having said all of that and none of it making much sense, question is, Gabe, how do we connect Parshat Ha'azinu to Yom Kippur, how do we connect the fast to some fun? Well, I have a drink for you. With Moses's time coming to a close and this episode being released by Yom Kippur, we wanted to provide you with a drink that you could make from your breakfast this year. Note, don't drink on an empty stomach. And so we bring you the Ne'ilah nightcap. Ne'ilah is the final ceremony of the five Yom Kippur observances when the gates of heaven are coming to a close the same gates that Moses is currently facing as he stands atop Mount Nebo. 
take one and a half ounces of rye, one ounce of red amaro, dramatically colored like Moses' poem, one ounce of sweet vermouth for God's willingness to show Moses some mercy, and mix together with ice and stir thoroughly. Strain into a rocks glass over fresh ice and then garnish with a lemon twist because there's still some sour in this story. For a non-alcoholic version, replace the rye with one ounce of peach nectar and a half ounce of apple cider vinegar, the red amaro with pomegranate juice, and sweet vermouth with grape juice. We hope that you soar to great heights and that you can set your sights and your feet in new promised lands, wishing you a meaningful fast and that all of you are sealed in the book of life, Lechaim. Lechaim, that sounds really great, Gabe. I would love to try making them myself. Maybe I'll come over and we'll all make ourselves some. That sounds like a great plan. Gabe, sounds a little bitter and also like a kind of real return to what's going to happen next. Something that's exciting, something that is holy, but something that also can be hard. As we bring this episode to a close... We hope that we've brought a little bit of some new insight, some comedy, some real talk about the difficulties and also some of the delights that come with Yom Kippur. It's not an easy holiday by any means, but it can be a really meaningful one if you're willing to engage. You know, I think that idea of engagement is really core to what we try to talk about on this podcast generally, and also what Yom Kippur really talks about specifically is that we need to look at our relationships between people. We need to look at how we interact with the rest of the world around us and examine those choices. I think when we're talking about reflecting on decisions, it's a really important place to start. Generally, we're supposed to start with ourselves. We're supposed to be able to look at what we've done at our relationship with others. But as it is written, if you want to make the world a better place, you got to take a look at yourself and then make a change. So whether you're looking at someone else or you're looking at that man in the mirror, we hope that you are inscribed, that you are sealed in the book of good life, and we will see you next week. Lechaim. Lechaim and Gemar Chatimatova. Hi, I'm Idan, and you're listening to Drinking and Drashing Torah with a Twist. And I hope at this point, you will have found the answers to the following questions. Why do I talk? How do I stop talking? <laughs>